Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 276 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 1 John chapter 5 today and our focus is on what is the sin that leads to death and how can Christians overcome the world. We're also going to talk about what the difference is between belief and faith. Well, two quite disparate topics today, so let's dive in without too much of an introduction. First question, how can Christians overcome the world? Well, this is a principle that John is going to teach us today, how to overcome or conquer, as some translations say, the world. And I'll first and foremost say that I don't believe that this is a militant passage that is telling Christians to take up arms somehow and by force or power or whatever uh, compulsion to overcome every person and institution of the world and make them accept Jesus Christ as Lord. I don't believe that's what we're called to do. And even if we try, such a mission won't be successful. It's quite obvious in the book of Revelation and other places that talk about the second coming of Jesus that he will be faced by great opposition from many of the armies of the world when he returns. Opposition that will be taken down by him almost in the blink of an eye. So John is not telling us how to beat the world as one beats an opponent in a boxing match, but how to overcome the temptations and the systems of the world and wholeheartedly follow Jesus to the end. Here's the key in verse 3. For this is love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Well, the victory that overcomes the world is not by might, not by power. It's not by chariots and horsemen and armies. It's not by political candidates and gaining the upper hand in every world system. It's none of those things. The victory that overcomes the world is faith, specifically the faith or belief that Jesus is the Son of God. And this raises an interesting rabbit trail kind of question. We see the word faith in verse 4 and the word believes in verse 5 of 1 John chapter 5. What is the difference between faith and belief? And it turns out in a biblical sense, there's very little, if any whatsoever, difference between these two words. In fact, the word that is translated as faith in verse 4 is the Greek noun, pistis, and the word translated as believes in verse 5, as in believes that Jesus is the Son of God, is simply the verb form of the same word, pistuo. Faith and belief in the Bible are pretty much synonymous as long as you keep in mind that biblical belief or biblical faith does not mean simply believing something intellectually. It means believing something wholeheartedly in your mind and with your actions. This is the same as the kind of biblical love we've been talking about the last two days. Uh, Biblical love doesn't merely mean saying, I love you. It isn't merely referring to a warm feeling inside. Biblical love is action and words and truth. So we overcome the world by wholehearted belief in and following of Jesus, the Son of God, and we follow him by knowing and obeying his teachings. This is how we overcome. Well, second topic. What is the sin that leads to death that John mentions here in verse 16 and 17 of 1 John 5? 
If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. (laughs) Well, buddy, this is one of the more mysterious verses in the Bible because John doesn't really explain himself. Well, let me give you two pretty strong possibilities as to what the sin leading to death is. Well, in the book of Acts, chapter 5, we see a very sobering, that might be too mild of a word, we see a frightening incident. Ananias and his wife Sapphira Uh, sell some land, and then they go and tell Peter, boldly lying in the process, that they're bringing all of the money they got from the sale of that land to give to the church in Jerusalem, but they held back some money. Uh, Let's read about Acts 5, 1-5. A man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it that you planned this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. And when Ananias heard these words, he dropped dead and a great fear came on all who heard. Young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out and buried him. Now, please note, Peter did not kill Ananias. God did, and moments later, his wife Sapphira tells the same lie, having not witnessed what happened before, and she also dies, and Peter afterwards asks her, actually, before she died, Peter asks her an interesting question. Why did you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Now, we don't know exactly why Peter asked this question. Honestly, Luke is leaving out some context for us that would help us understand the story a little bit better. But it gives us a clue that the sin of Ananias and Sapphira might have well gone beyond simply telling a lie. We don't know. But what we do know is they both sinned and they both died. Could this be related to the sin that led to death? Well, similarly, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, Paul mentions a group of Christians who died from taking communion with a wrong heart, attitude, and mindset, something related to extreme selfishness and not having a right understanding of the body of Christ. Now, one other example also comes from 1 Corinthians, this case, chapter 5, where Paul instructs the church that a man caught in really egregious sin should uh, be delivered to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Now, This does not mean that they were supposed to kill the guy, but it sounds like it means he was supposed to leave the church where his sin would somehow lead to his death. All of these instances seem to indicate some sort of sin that leads to death, but in each case, the sins committed are wildly different. So which of these sins, if any, are the sin that leads to death? And why would John say not to pray about each one of these sins? Honestly, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Or all of them part of the sin that leads to death? Possibly. But I don't think so. And I think mainly because John tells us in the church not to pray for people who commit the sin that leads to death. And that doesn't make sense in the context of Acts uh, 5 or 1 Corinthians 5 or 1 Corinthians 11. 
And for that reason, I favor the second possible explanation. And that is, Jesus talks several times about the unforgivable sin or the unpardonable sin, which is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. We've talked about this quite a few times in past episodes. So if you want to listen to that episode about what is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, what is the unpardonable sin, come check out our website, Bible2021.com. That's Bible2021.com. Or last year's daily Bible website, which is BibleReadingPodcast.com. We talked about it earlier this year and last year. And uh, you can listen to those episodes and see um, for yourself what we think. But one thing Jesus says in Mark chapter 3 seems quite possibly related to John's teaching here. Mark 3.28 says, Truly I tell you, People will be forgiven for all sins and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. He is guilty of an eternal sin. Well, I have no doubt in my mind that Jesus really means to teach that blaspheming or insulting in an intentional way, the Holy Spirit is absolutely unforgivable. And this is not a a euphemistic way to say that, talk about somebody who decided not to become a Christian, which a lot of people teach and believe. No, he's literally talking about insulting the Holy Spirit is an unforgivable sin. Jesus says here, it is an eternal sin. And therefore, I think that's what John is probably referring to. He, cause it's the only thing that fits the context in my mind, at least. Why would there be no point in praying for somebody who's sinning unless they committed a sin that is absolutely unforgivable and eternal? I think that's the only possibility in light of what John says. Um, what do you think? I'd love to hear your explanation. Well, let's go ahead and read our passage. First John chapter 5, verse 1 in the English Standard Version. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood. Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, 
but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God in eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Well, let's close out with our Bible passage for the month of October, 1 John 4, 7 and 8, which says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Amen. May the Lord give you a wonderful holy day today as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, just like we should do every Sunday and every day. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.